That sounds about right. So uh, today, so far, has been a fantastic start. Uh, hey, everybody. Adam just joined. Um, we're on the phone with Tom O'Gorman and Steve Loudon in a C7ZR1, which I think is very cool. And today is the first day of One Lap of America. Hi, Tom. Hello. I can confirm it is very cool. <laughs> so uh, it's a pretty nice day here in the Midwest, too. It's like 80 degrees in Chicago. I assume it's nice where you guys are, Tom. Yeah. So uh, like Abe said, it was the first day. So we had the Westgate pad today plus the autocross. Uh, so it was South Bend and Peru, Indiana. South Bend, we started with frost on the car. It was about 34 degrees and very, very cold, but uh, sunny enough and kind of reasonable by the time we did the wet skid pad. And then by the time we got to the autocross at Ginger, uh, Gingerman, uh, Peru, it was, I don't know, mid-50s. Pretty, pretty windy, but very sunny. So everyone was jacketed up and stuff. But uh, by the time we were leaving, it was just getting nice. So now we're sitting in the car at see it's 75 degrees and, and beautiful <laughs> so this was your first time on a wet skid pad um from outside the car wet skid pad doesn't look that exciting uh tell no. me a little bit about what it's like driving the car at the limit uh at a very low speed i honestly was so surprised at how different it was even than driving on a wet racetrack and the thing that i didn't think about the thing that no one told me about and i don't know if that was strategic is kind of the fine detail of driving at 30 miles an hour with puddles at the limit <laughs> if that makes sense you, you're going around in a circle and it's essentially a perfect circle but it, it no longer is a perfect circle with puddles on it because you have to account for gain and loss of traction in a way that I didn't think about it and a lot of that is like on a racetrack you either have you know grippy line or not grippy line um, on a skid pad you have grippy patches and not grippy patches and you have to account for those ahead of time and on one lap you get two laps in clockwise and two laps in counterclockwise so you get barely any time to recon uh, <laughs> you can't go look at it first you can't go see where the puddles are i got to watch unfortunately um Makaya and Brandon Randvek were first because they won two years ago and they got to go splash through all the standing water and clear it for the rest of us. They struggled big time. Um, and then the rest of us, I mean, we're just kind of going in blind and I had, I had not considered that at all. So I definitely was a little bit disappointed in my lack of adapting to that, but, um, yeah, way more complex than you would think. What's good pad. Yeah. It's it again, it's not very exciting to like watch on a recap because it looks like the cars are going really slowly, but like, um, in, in the ZR one, did you find that the, the rear end felt planted or were you like constantly just fighting back the oversteer at 30 miles an hour for three laps? No, there's a, there's a track wet mode that I hadn't tested, but tried, um, and it was okay. And I put it in third gear of an eight speed auto. So I was basically not making much power and I didn't want to, um, mm -hmm. I was just going to try to set the rear, the front grip where I needed it to be. And, uh, when I would hit those little patches and puddles, it would basically slide the front, then slide the rear. And there was always a moment of disconnection while the front slid, then the rear slid. Sorry if you can hear my navigation, but, uh, that, that caught me. And it, that, that was the hard part to adapt to is reading where the puddles were on the first lap and then doing something with it on the second lap. And ironically, my first laps in both directions were faster because I wasn't thinking so hard about it. <laughs> um, how did the autocross go? We won. It went great. I heard, I heard it went <laughs> Yeah, well. I was, I was, you know, Steve Wahoos as well. Um, yeah, I was 
obviously optimistic about the autocross because I have a lot of experience with that. I have a lot of experience at Grissom, um, which if you know Grissom, you know the courses are essentially the same every time with, you know, small things changed. But I also knew that there were some, I mean, I would consider five of the top 10 to 15 autocrossers in the country in this event alone. And some of them were on kind of a more autocross style tire, a Yokohama or something else. Um, where we're on the Michelin PS4S, which is a kind of all-around summer tire. Um, so uh, Andy so, and uh, Alex told me that they had dubbed the tire choice that they have for this week as the Yolo Hama. Yeah, the Yolo Hama. The because they, they had done some testing, and they last year had said that they weren't fast enough in the wet on, um, I think they were testing 4Ss, but they weren't fast enough for them to think that it was worth the pace penalty that they might face in the dry. So they said if they're going to run it, they might as well just like go for broke and run as fast as they can on the Yokohama. What's yeah. amazing to me is that they managed to finish 10th on the wet skid pad, which is outstanding. Yeah, wow. I was going to say, had you seen that? Because, I mean, they, they've always said that they're not that bad in the wet, but my my issue with those 200 tire tires is they tend to be terrible in standing water. And the fact that the wet skid pad had those little puddles of standing water and they were still you know, competitive for a top 10 with those tires. I mean, they're fine at this point. <laughs> wow. That's, and, uh, uh, that's really impressive. I, I don't know what the dark magic is, but Chris Mayfield is always good on the wet skid pad. I just yeah. don't know how he was mad. He managed to be that much better than everybody else. Dude, he what killed everybody. Uh, so he has a two, uh, 2011 supercharged BMW M3. He yeah, averaged uh, 0.795 G, and the next fastest car averaged 0.756. That's a big jump. So uh, congratulations to Chris. I don't know why that car is so good at this, but it really is. Yeah. Well, I noticed this from this morning's temperatures being, you know, in the 40 degree probably when we were there. And my understanding of, you know, different tires, the Continental is a little bit happier in cold than the Michelin. And part of that is the Michelin has a lot more compounds across the tread surface than the Conti does. So both Chris and um, his co-driver in the BMW and then Chris and Robert Thorne in their Corvette, who also did really well, were both on the Continentals. And I think within margin of hundreds of a G, <laughs> the Continental probably was a little bit happier today. But again, I'm not super thrilled with how I adapted to the wet skid pad. So, I mean, they, they just killed it. And like you said, Chris is always consistent at it is what I heard all morning. So, so he did it again. Something I'm really impressed by, uh, Adam and I have talked a little bit about who we kind of expected to be top five cars um, throughout the week. And Something that I've always said is really important is doing really well on the wet skid pad such that you're not fighting back to gain positions once you start the track events. And yes. uh, interesting that, like, all of the people that you would expect to be top five finishers this week did a solid job uh, in the wet skid pad and then in the autocross as well. So um, they're, I, I guess, poised better for success versus like trying to claw back positions over the week. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what uh, my comment to Steve actually after we left and we kind of knew where everybody sat. I believe we will be tied for overall lead and leading our class. And all I think of that is we're is that we're not behind yet. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. We're, we're not winning. We're just not behind yet. So that's we're, good. Um, you know, as as we're talking about it, uh, 
the autocross results have not yet been fully posted. I'm like, you know, frantically hitting F5 during this session to see if, if we can get it. <laughs> but do you know, uh, you guys were P1. Do you know what the, you know, the next few cars were? So I know from looking at the live timing of the autocross, which I posted, if you hadn't seen it, I'm sure you had seen it. Um, Did you post the, it on Facebook? Yeah, the, the it wasn't the one lap results. It was just the live timing from the Indy region SCCA. Oh, okay. Um, so you can kind of dig through those and do some mental math. Uh, which Steve did. So Chris won the skid pad. We were sixth. We won the autocross and he was sixth. So that's why we assume we're going to be uh, tied for the lead there. Uh, and then Robert, next sorry, Robert and Chris were seventh and Andy Hollis was eighth. Um, there's like a Tesla that did really well at the autocross. Andy Smedegard was second of course, and Alex Moss were second. I don't know who was fourth and fifth. Okay. But uh, those those were. Oh, I do know. Um, um, John Hogan and Brian Peters jumped up at the end in a Corvette as well, which uh, they struggled on the wet skid pad a bit. Uh, but Brian Peters is also like like I said, one of the top five autocrossers. So uh, that I know I'm looking of. at so the raw results here. Um, it, it shows you guys as being fastest. Uh, you were half a second faster than Andy. Um, Mayfield finishing sixth is a really impressive result because that's going to put him, um, you know, very close to the top. Really strong finishes for the first two events for him. Yeah, and that's going to be, like I said, I think he and I will be tied overall. He's not in our class. He's defined as a luxury car in the, <laughs> in the M3. Um, but, <laughs> but I do know that that car will probably not be quite as strong on a dry big track. Yeah, I imagine because of so, raw power. It's less less power for sure. That's a yeah, supercharged M3, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so he said it makes uh, he said it makes 500 wheel horsepower at peak, and then it makes about 350-ish foot-pounds of torque flat right. across the curve for the most right. part. But when you get to a big track like even like Nola, I mean, we have 250 plus more horsepower than him, more than that across the curve, and you just can't make up for that on some of the. Yeah, big there's tracks. a big straightaway there at Nola, and if you can make <laughs> yeah. a turn, you're in okay shape. So. Right, but it might rain at Nola, so if it keeps raining at some of the big tracks and holds us, you know, some of the big cars back, mm -hmm. like I, I mean, they they numbered him number 12. They seated him 12th, and I knew he would be in the hunt. So that was cool. definitely a car on my radar. And he's has, also uh, uh, he's he is impressively strong in the rain. Um, I yes. remember that from a few years back. He he drives well. How has the event been overall for uh, for you so far, Tom? Because this is your first time. Yeah, uh, it's been very, very cool. Uh, the biggest thing that I realized is that it's kind of my people. It's like so many people that I know that I almost felt like I've done it before, even before it started. That's cool. Um, but then when it started, it was like, oh, we're like we started. It, it's not like uh, it's not like a race weekend where you ease in with practice and then qualifying. It's like solo nationals every day, where when you get in the car and put your helmet on, you're, you're going and it counts. Right. Um, so yeah, every, every it, movement on the surface counts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was a bit weird um, going from uh, we staged at the hotel and then transited over to the tire rack to do the wet skid pad and then went to the back to the hotel and hooked up the trailer. And it didn't quite dawn on me that we were locked in and started the competition until we were back at the hotel hooking up and leaving. It's like, oh, I mean, we're going. This is yeah, it's it. scored now. You know. So something that you'll experience that's different from my experience back in 16 is because you guys are going to be uh, gridded up near the front probably throughout the week, uh, the week um, when the track goes hot at 8 or 8.15 or whatever time it is 
um, that's literally your time to run. And there's not like a there's not like an autocross amount of hurry up and wait versus if you were like car number 25 in the grid, you know, you get in grid at eight o'clock and then you just sit and wait for like an hour and a half and wait for your turn to run. So uh, you guys won't have to deal with that. It'll mean that you have ample time to work on the car if you need to after the the first heat or take your long lunch break. And then as soon as you run uh, heat two in the afternoon, you're on your way, which is outstanding. It is, but at the same time, we get the the dew on the racetrack and the the fog in the air and the whatever else that uh, that could hinder as well as help. So, um, like we're we're pretty aware of the the positives and negatives. I think there's not really a spot to be in the field. Honestly, it's just kind of down to circumstance everywhere you go and just do your best with it. Well, and with with this many events during the week, it's kind of a wash, right? Any advantage that yes. you might get uh, would be offset by you know some. Uh, some disadvantage somehow later in the week. It's it's a right. weird thing where they're given enough time, everything's just kind of even. Right. Well, how long is your transit tonight? We are, uh, it was 545 miles. Uh, this is among the shorter transits, actually. I think it might be the shortest, if not uh, the second shortest. They actually get longer throughout the week, but it only goes from, I think this one is seven and a half hours. And the longest is a little over nine from Summit Point to Gingerman. That is so a long they're all drive. pretty, uh, I mean, they're all, they're, none of them are big. I know that some years past there were some 11, 12 hour transits. Um, none of them are huge, but they're all pretty sizable. So our ETA is about 930 into Memphis tonight. Uh, it's You're not one lap until you get in at three o'clock in the morning and you sleep. With the yes. Track. Exactly. I mean, there's a little, we, I'm on a little group chat with all the ASM guys and they're like, so where's dinner? Mexican tonight? <laughs> like, Mar- what do you mean? Our ETA is 9.30, but I guess that's kind of early for one lap. Um, right. I remember back in 16, we had a whole bunch of mechanical stuff on the transit from NCM to Road America, and we yeah. stopped at Pegasus to buy some parts, and they had been side-bushed, so we just we grabbed them and continued on. But we got we were so late uh, that we basically skipped the hotel, and we slept in front of the gate at Road America, and I think we got there around 4 o'clock, and uh, it was very cold because Wisconsin in early May can sometimes be chilly. So we just let the car run like a couple of hours while we tried to sleep until the sun came up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it does sound terrible. <laughs> Hopefully Tom doesn't give, have to uh, deal with that. Have you talked to Scott Robertson yet? Not yet. Not today. Okay. I just got to give him a shout out because I almost like I got welled up a second when I saw the Miata sitting in the parking lot yesterday and then, you know, big hug when we saw him. But Honestly, they got the car back together, and it looks really good. <laughs> like, it does, know, doesn't it? <laughs> Adam, do you remember how beat up Claptrap was, my B-Spec car, by the oh, end yeah, of my yeah. using it? I mean, it looks better than that did, and it was it, just it, a tire wall. It does. Uh, so, I, when I when I rolled that thing off my trailer after NCM at, at Al's Auto Body, I thought, woof, every panel has to be changed. Uh, yeah. And they only changed a couple of them. They banged the rest of them out for time, time purposes. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm really, really happy they got it back together. Definitely. So, um, talk about uh, Memphis tomorrow. What's the forecast? Uh, is there a Oof. contingency plan for like if there's weather on the or if there's rain on the drag strip? There is. Uh, so Memphis has a drag strip that's covered in. Is it DHT? What's the even? What's VHT? VHT. VHT. Okay, so that's like ice plus soap plus worse, terrible, awful in the rain. Rain so bad that they skip it, right? So. 
the plan is, if it's wet, to do a standing start, flying, finish kind of hill climb time, you know, track sprint kind of thing. Um, I think you turned your video was. there on, Tom. Oh. Ha! Do this. Uh, it, it, it. Did we lose him? We lose. We I lost. bet he'll dial back in in a second. Just do this. Hey, you're back. Was that better? Yeah, you're you're better. Holy cow! Okay, yeah, so what, what's the contingency plan there? The contingency plan is to do a uh, a standing start, flying finish uh, style, like a like a track sprint style. Uh, but what's also interesting is we normally start at what eight eight thirty in the morning. It's not supposed to rain until about ten. So. Okay. What will be interesting is whether they preemptively change the format or if some of us get to run. I, I don't really know, but yeah, I think it would be very hard to do a consistent scoring unless you just decided early it's going to rain, so everybody run the rain setup. Yes, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the plan for that is. I know in years right. past they've actually tried to run through the pit lane and just avoid the VHT, but Brock said that's not going to happen. So it'll either be a, a, a track sprint. You know, 75, 80% of the lap at speed with a standing start and flying finish, or maybe we'll get a dry morning. Who knows? Well, uh, we'll find out. All I know is I'll maybe maybe be the first car out to go find out. (laughs) (laughs) Not your problem if it's still dry, right? What's that? I said it's not your problem if it's still dry. (laughs) That would be that would be best case, wouldn't it? Right. Who knows? Uh, Well, I hope the uh, hope the rest of the evening is smooth, man. Thank you very much. It's good so far. All right, uh, Adam, just uh, stay near the phone. I'm going to dial another number. Thanks for uh, joining Tom and filling us in on what happened today. All right. Well, tell Steve we said, hey, Tom, and drive safe, man. Will do. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Yep, yep. Gorgeous, isn't it? <laughs> how's, uh, how's your day, Scott? Uh, it's, it's good. It's been this first day is always fairly free and thick. Um, I had my uh, my son was uh, was able to come oh, uh, out before, so it's great to have him. But you know, just another kind of piece. Um, didn't have, yeah, didn't, didn't go great. Um, we still think we probably had some old release on him. Oh, um, new tires, huh? Yeah, I think we shot some of the stickers so on it when we went out. I think we got like 63rd or something like that. Um, miles an hour. Um, yeah. yeah, I think we were like 63rd, which is better than we were numbered. But everybody's G's is like half a G lower than usual. They, uh, that surface is getting really polished and really... Right. Um, a lot of puddles. How was uh, uh, autocross? Uh, surprisingly good. Um, we wait. What was that? Um, yeah, we went out. Uh, did like a forty-seven, like a high forty. 
47 or 40, no, 48, mid 48. Right. And then we um, had a lot of clunking, like on breaking, coming back in. So we had to scramble to get the jack and everything back. Um, turned out, once again, in the saga of brake thing, the um, driver's side caliper was trying to come loose. So we tightened that up and, and it was better. Yeah, that might need um, to be a thing that you guys check randomly now. Yeah, I mean, I torqued it, we marked it, but whatever. Um, okay, stay on it. it. Yeah, it's like on the autocross, is like the best place we could have had that. Right. Um, went back out there, we did a slight pressure adjustment and knocked it down to 47.9. Tom, Tom was like in the low 44s at that point. I think his first run was a 44 or something. Screw that guy. Um, <laughs> so, so fast. Then um, no, no adjustment for the last run and just drove cleaner. Did a 47.7, I think, which was, I think, put us somewhere in the 20s overall. Oh, nice. Um, was kind of, I was hoping for, like, low 30s, but that was pretty phenomenal. So, Scott, um, I've done one lap once, but have uh, kind of turned down opportunities to do it since then, both to drive and to, like, spectate and do media. And today, um, as people were doing uh, the start of the wet skid pad, I called Adam and I was like, okay, like slip angle just has to go next year. This has to be a thing. We can't, we can't not go. <laughs> so, so here's my plan for you guys. Um, I'm going to tell you what the plan is. So next year is going to be the B-Spec party. Mooncake the Monster 2 will be out there. Um, Pete Lindbergh in his first sim fit, and Bob Miller in his Kia Rio. And then what I think you guys need to do is convince Matt Williams to take his fit. You guys go triple in there with him. And I just want to see like six to eight B-spec cars. <laughs> we'll get our own front group, and we'll just go out and basically wheel-to-wheel race every event. That sounds like a great plan, actually. That's awesome. <laughs> I seriously like I mean that's we have planned that we have friends who are planning that and I think that is like the perfect way to get introduced especially today perfect way to get introduced well if we can get a spot I think that's the, that's that might be the plan we might have just made a plan uh, so I'm sure Matt Williams is listening I, I think we just commandeered the uh, the spec fit yeah um, if you're not going we're taking it Matt yeah. <laughs> um He's always lending us the keys anyway. But if you were going to drive a B-Spec car, Matt Williams' car is the best spec fit. It is. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Good choice. Good choice. The, uh, alignment is, is on point. I think the tires, like 205, whatever you want, will be, will be good. And what we're planning on doing is kind of having a sub... Um, a sub rule set just for our group. Just so I kind of keep things interesting. It'll be loosely based on Sunday Cup stuff, but we're going to remove restrictions on arrow and brakes. <laughs> um, where, like, you can do whatever 
wants to there, but you still have to do the 205 with the tires. Um, still, like, no, like, engine, no major engine stuff, and weight loss if you want to. That sounds, sounds both, like, uh, both hilarious and stupid. I love it. Sounds like I'm going to build the biggest Honda Fit splitter of all time next year. So, <laughs> yeah. I, Let's do I it, man. Green flat trap. No, that's a case flap. That's true. That well, would be uh, such a rowdy car. Yeah. So how is, uh, how's the car, Scott? How's the what? How's the car? Um, it seems good. We're just, we're kind of paranoid right now. Um, we stay on this road back a lot. Um, yeah, we're just kind of paranoid right now, still like trying to lower the temperature on everything. Um, right. The auto today and the autocross is just so hectic and stressful. Um, it's hard to like bring everything down. So we think we've got a vacuum leak somewhere. It's, it's pretty minor, um, but we want to check that out. We, you know, with having to break stuff. Uh, you know, it's just alert. We're on high alert right now, but uh, so far, uh, driveline lines seem to be doing all right. Good to hear. Good to hear, man. Been a mad thrash. We've uh, we've told the story a few times, but uh, yeah, we're. I think there's a lot of people who are really glad that you made it. I'm I'm really glad this car is here and like. We did a little bit. We really did more boring than anything else. Right. Um, it's really Rich and Edie and Al's Automati. Really, really, they, they should get great accolades for this one. So cool. Well, uh, you got, what, a seven-hour, eight-hour drive now? Uh, seven hours from where we are now. Uh, we've okay. got a few stops in there, so we can get there right around 11. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome. Not bad, not bad. So we'll, right, uh, we'll, have... we'll try and catch up with you tomorrow. Um, Adam, yeah. uh, I'm just going to continue recording. I, I got Robert Thorne on the other end, so we can talk okay. to Robert and Chris here in just a second. I'll dial them up. Oh, cool. Yeah. Drive safe, Scott. Will do. Thank you, guys. Hello. Hey, Abram. Hey, Robert Thorne. Uh, Adam's on the line here as well. Thank you for hey, taking dude. the time to talk to us about your one-lap day. Ah, not, not a problem, not a problem. Got you, plenty of time now that we're uh, cruising along here. Uh, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to do daily calls with folks that we know who are running. Um, so if you want to you be part of this, I'll probably give you guys a call again tomorrow and see how things are going. Yeah, sure. That'd be great. So, uh, so what you, are you in? What are you in, Robert? Vet of some sort. Yeah. So I've got. Uh, I'm here with Christopher Lewis, and he's got this uh, C7Z06. That uh, this is probably this car's fourth year running one lap. So uh, it, it's got some pretty good history. It's got some good parts on it. Nothing crazy. I mean, this is a mostly stock car with a bunch of aero and big wheels and tires, and it but made, it's reliable. You just took it to the dyno. It made 600. Is that right? 
Yep, yep. It makes just six hundred until we uh, get it a little heat soaked, and it's uh, a little less, but not not too bad. Yeah, six hundred. So, um, you've done. Who drove the the wet skid pad this morning? Uh, Chris drove the wet skid pad this morning. Did an excellent job for us. Got yeah, us in second place. So. Really, really well. That's very strong. Um, yeah, we're excited about that. Apparently, the Contis are definitely the way to go in the wet. So Mayfield, who was first, and us were both on the Contis. Most everyone behind us was on the Michelins. So we were um, we were really surprised to see uh, Alex and Andy finish tenth on the Yokohamas. That was uh, a big surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, all of us were a little surprised, but also, you know, excited because we all want to see that car do do well. So um, yeah, that's a real block. It's always tire for wet. It is. But sometimes this, you know, the, the tire rack skid pad is definitely a little different than your normal wet track. Uh, everything is always a little odd there. Um, and it's also got some bumps. And often since you're at such a low speed, well, you know, we found uh, cars that are running a whole bunch of camber are on such a small contact patch that even on some of these tires that normally wouldn't work in the wet, uh, they seem to dig in okay. We, we had great luck there on the Falcons, and that, that shouldn't have worked at all. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, how was uh, autocross land today? Autocross was good. Uh, normally, I feel like we would uh, have been a little stronger, but... Um, I think on concrete, as much as we were top tire on the wet skid pad, for sure, we were definitely off on the concrete. Um, again, you know, uh, me and Mayfield uh, in the M3 were struggling a bit, and it seemed like uh, everyone on the PS4Ss was finding easy grip. So, you know, a little bit of a flip on results, but we all got through it. It sounds like everyone's uh, transiting now and no one had any issues. So that's yeah. that's always good. So who will drive tomorrow at Memphis? Uh, at Memphis? I don't know. We're, uh, we're in a debate on Memphis. So Have either see. of you driven there? Uh, I haven't driven there. Um, so odds are it'll probably be Chris at Memphis. But um, I don't know. We've been known to switch, switch plans in the morning. So we'll just have to wait and see. So uh, what's your ETA um, to the hotel in Memphis tonight? All right, seven hours, and Chris says we'll get there around 9.30. So definitely a bit of a drive, but it's actually uh, it's not too bad. For some reason, I think we all built this drive up in our heads since we were leaving late, but we got out of the autocross at a reasonable hour, so this shouldn't be too bad. So yeah. uh, as it relates to the setup of the car, you've done the kind of the, the weird events right at the front here. Uh, will you make any setup changes to the car before tomorrow on track? Yeah, we did run a very low pressure uh, for autocross. Uh, so, I mean, these are all minor things, but uh, we need to take a little angle back out of the wing and we'll probably pull the front splitter up a touch and add a little bit of tire pressure. Uh, that's about it. Um, the shocks on this thing are... Uh, you know, uh, electronic, and we've got a tractive control box in the car, so that'll handle the changes there, and um, that's it. That seems easy. What, uh, what, what's going on with those V6 Miatas, dude? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the LFX Miatas. Uh, that, was a, that was a fun project over the winter, for sure, or for over the spring. It seems, you have one or two of those. 
We have two of those, yeah. We so now we have uh, we've got two of those, and we've got three full swapped subframes for those cars, basically. Okay. And uh, yeah, they are they're definitely a cool little platform once they have a little power behind them. And uh, we just uh, we blew both of them up at Barber for the first <laughs> event. So huge yeah, catastrophic failures, fire, the whole works. And we just we just got the first one up and running last week with its new motor, and the second one most of everything is cleaned up on it so they'll be back out here in a month uh, after one lap and uh, hopefully it'll be a little more reliable have you figured out oil things or no yeah so our oil pressure we definitely had dips under braking on our first testing event which we also blew a motor up and then we put a minor baffle in the oil pan for forward slosh and then we were losing oil pressure on corners so mm. now we have a full built up baffle tray uh you know ramps from the returns from the heads going into that we've got four trap doors in each pan wow. and between that about nine quarts of oil and three quarts of accusump i'm pretty sure we're gonna have oil pressure now good good to hear good to hear no more poppy v6s yeah, yeah, we'd love to, to you know show that those rotors are reliable. So, and they sound so good. Things I've heard, yeah, it's unbelievable sounding. So, yep, yeah, yeah, I know the sounds also like everyone's like, oh, you got to probably cut down the revs. We're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. They sound way too <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what do those motors cost, by the way? Are those pretty reasonable to get? They are. Uh, I'd say between eight hundred and twelve hundred dollars, depending nice. on what car, you, depending on what car you pull them out of. And right. you know, the let's see. So the motor we brought to Barber and blew up in the one car. You know, that was uh, an eight hundred dollar motor out of an Impala with eighteen thousand miles on it. Nice. That's so true. they are they are awesome motors. Well, you know, you know that while you're on a podcast talking about one lap, that we're talking about your WRL or whatever car, that, that <laughs> you might have chosen a reliable platform. So, <laughs> for, for for one lap at least. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, this thing is pretty bulletproof. Cool, cool. Well, how many miles are on that Z06? Uh, sixty-four thousand miles. Wow, it's got some got some legs on it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Chris is uh, this is almost Chris's daily driver, although it has sat in a garage for about two years. So. But he broke it back out a few months ago and has been in it every day. And I don't know. I think he likes it again. I think so he's going to keep it. We see you guys all the time in the uh, the WRL setups. Um, how often does the Corvette out to get out to do track stuff? Or is it is it mostly focused on doing one lap? Well, uh, let's see. This car has been out at a track, I believe, just once since, since its last one lap adventure. And it was in the rain. So, uh, very little testing on this car since last time. Yeah, well, kind of nice to have a stockish car, though. Yeah, it's kind of like okay, you know, what possible what could what could go wrong at this point, you know? So we kind of cross our fingers and hope that uh, GM did a good job. <laughs> well, I remember uh, in my Evo there was a day where I had some like rigid motor mounts, and there was a day that the car just got to be much more pleasant to drive. And uh, I learned oh, no. after I had gotten home that it was because that motor mount had just disappeared. Oh, man. <laughs> it's one way to make the car nicer to drive. So at yeah, least with a stock one. car, hopefully all that stuff is torqued properly. 
Yeah, I think so. We we, uh, we went through the car as best we could. We put fresh brakes on it, fresh fluid. We got it out to the dyno to make sure it was making good power, which, as it turned out, the intercooler fluid was not filled up when the dealer had it. So that was luckily a very quick fix, and she was back up to making uh, peak power, and yeah, hopefully it'll be all good for us. We are running 355s on the back, the wow. Viper tire. And I didn't know I would that that tire that, was allowed. I thought it was disallowed because it is of not that. It is not that tire, but it is a it is a, a tire built to that size. So these are the the Continental uh, Extreme Sports. Oh, I, and I they misunderstood. Do, they make a, a Viper fitment. So this is a a big three fifty five. And yeah. yeah, our biggest uh, concern probably at this point is going to be tire rubbing, and uh, well, we're going to find out really soon once we hit the track. Well, all that stuff self clearancing, right? Well, oh yeah, for point, sure. You know, it's all plastic and fiberglass on these things. It'll just melt. Um, what about the fronts? The fronts we are on three twenty fives, and I would say they fit uh, about as awful as the rears. Awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it'll clear. It's still be all right. Having like two twenty fives on a Corvette, you're doing better than somebody, I'm sure. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not gonna get anything other than the largest tire that would be silly yeah you yeah you can deal with those problems but you got to go fast yeah exactly right it doesn't need it doesn't need fenders no no it's plastic anyway who cares yeah exactly all right thanks for having me on appreciate it yeah man we'll uh we'll check back in with you throughout the week so all right guys take care see you later hope hope, hope it's smooth as glass yeah same here bye Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Slip Angle. I've got uh, Brandon Renvek on the line driving the TTRS along with his co-driver and uh, former winner, Makai Hackbarth. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, guys. How you doing? Not too bad. Um, So we're on the transit on day one. You guys are headed to Memphis. Um, How did today go for you? Today was really, really kind of fun. Um, we have a really new car this year. It is completely different than when we drove it in 2019. Um, lots of changes. So for being an untested car, so far we're, we're very happy with where, where we're sitting. Um, the, the wet skid pad, uh, we think we, we did better than we did last year on the wet skid pad. So that was kind of nice to see. Um, and then uh, Chris Air Force Base Autocross didn't quite go as well as last time. Last time we had stock turbo and the benefits of that super boost uh, happening really quick. And this time it's a little bit of a larger turbo, makes a lot more on the top end, which should pay off for the track. But Autocross today, eh, not so good. Uh, we didn't even hang in the top 10, which I'm kind of bummed about. I'm super competitive when it comes to Autocross. And I want to be up there with those other guys, Dyson, for that top spot. So, yeah, to be, absolutely. Uh, you know, three seconds off the pace from um, what Tomo did, that that hurts. That hurts a little bit. Well, uh, I credit where it's due, man. He uh, he drove a fantastic lap in a car that, you know, I expected to be fast, but I didn't really, I didn't really have an expectation for like it competing for FTD. With Tom, with Tomo behind the wheel, with Tom behind the wheel in that car, that power, and getting a little bit of seat time, practicing, it's going to be a potent 
potent car this season. He's going to be tough to, to, to beat. Uh, he knows how to wheel, and the fact that he's got some seat time, some practicing at some of the various courses, he's going to do very well this season on his on his rookie year. So where did you finish in the wet skid pad? Uh, I believe we finished 14th in the wet skid. So uh, I think 14th in the skid, or and then about the same, I think, in autocross. Is that right? I think 11th in autocross. Okay. Well, I mean, you're... Uh, you're not out of it uh, by any means. And if you compare to how you used to finish in the wet skid and the Evo, you're you're probably 30 places up. <laughs> we're probably yeah, we're not digging ourselves quite out of the, the giant hole that we do for ourselves with the Evo. Yeah, that Evo and the wet skid pad just don't seem to get along. Too I don't really understand why that is. For some reason, it just seems like it just doesn't work. Yeah, right, exactly. And that was always the, the tough part. We knew that we'd have a big hole to dig ourselves out of. And it was always kind of fun to come from behind and, and, and you know, turn it into something. And then that's hopefully what we're going to do this this year with the, the Audi. And it's more suited for the big road course, we think. It's untested, so we're just kind of going with we think. So, <laughs> but it's got um, a larger turbo, and it's not, it's not a great low-speed car. Well, uh, for anyone that hasn't heard me rant about this car on the show, can you... Can you talk about what the current build is and what you know what it can do? Yeah, I'll let Micaiah take over on this one. Hey guys, so um, thanks for having us chime in. Appreciate it. Breaks up the trip a little bit. Yeah, right. Um, so the car currently it's it's a five cylinder, two point five liter, uh, single turbo, and we kind of made a lot of changes from two years ago. Um, we went to a standalone computer, a Cybec unit, and then went to a, a little bit of a larger turbo. So we, we make about 200 more wheel horse than we were um, two years ago. And the number is? Um, it's around the 700 wheel mark okay. is what it makes now. Um, depending on the dyno, obviously. So uh, a lot of little changes besides that. We uh, put wave tracks front and rear and a lot of sphericals and coilovers. Um, it got some weight out of it. So it, the problem is we, we ran into some Audi issues with, with the CAN system, I believe, that were causing it to not communicate. We had some terrible all-wheel drive issues that plagued us pretty much from the Ginger, or uh, sorry, Road America event. Um, last September, last, yep. Yeah, that's right. So that was when they first reared their head. And ever since then, we've been beating our heads against the wall trying to figure it out and the solution was to bypass the factory can system wire in our own solid state relay and then program it to uh to our liking and so far it's working and the car actually feels really good as far as the driveline goes as far as the actual um power it's putting down to the ground okay so um I remember having ridden in the car with Alex Moss that um, it, the, at the time it wasn't really sending power to the rear like you expected that it should. Uh, Brandon, having I, I assume that you drove the autocross today. Uh, how did it feel? Did it feel like the system was working like it was supposed to? So when the power comes in, it, it, it comes in pretty hard. If you look, there's a little video clip or live feed that uh, Micaiah shared from the autocross and after the launch there's a an immediate right hand or like a 90 degree turn and 
that the very first time I went out, I stayed in power around that corner just to kind of see what the back end would do. And it stepped out for me. So it, it kind of behaved like an all wheel drive without nannies and it felt great. Um, it, it was hard to keep that kind of consistency though, but I know that the diff is working and it did not feel like a front wheel drive car in that moment. Um, but that's not the only moment on course that, you know, I, I kind of am still trying to figure out what the car wants from me sure. as far as how can I apply the throttle and, you know, what speeds and what's it going to do on brake? Because it, it's still an all-wheel drive car. So there's there's some components to this push, even though there's fancy diffs on it that help things out, it's still an all-wheel drive car. And if you're coasting through a corner, it might push through the corner versus getting on throttle, it might help car. Right. It's it's an interesting car to drive and it, it yeah <laughs> frustrating is, a, is another way to put it but i'm very much trying to figure out what it wants because i think once i figure out what it wants it's going to be blazing fast well especially at an event like this it's not necessarily about you know tuning the car to be the, the car to fit your driving style um, in this event specifically because of the, the duration and how how little time you have to get it right, it's really probably also about changing your driving style to match the car to get the most out of the car. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that as a driver, you really have to adapt to what, you know, what your, you know, instrument you're using. And hopefully I can get up to speed quick enough to give the car what it wants so that we can get as much out of it as we possibly can. And will I, you know, perfect that this week? Probably not. Um, there's definitely some little workarounds that we're doing uh, to try and extract what we, what we are right now. For example? Uh, the whole getting the all-wheel drive system to play nice the, the relay that's in place to, to make that work is kind of a workaround right now. Um, it's something that I don't know if it's the permanent solution, but for what we're doing this week, it's the solution. And, uh, gotcha. you know, we've got an, a backup pump. If for some reason we push the pump too hard and it fails on us, um, it's something that's pretty simple to replace if, if we have to. So, you know, this there's a lot of unknowns like I said, this car is so new, new suspension, uh, complete new engine, new turbo, standalone ECU. There's just so many things. And because it's so integrated with the electronic system, but, you know, if one part isn't happy, it kind of can impact other things. So we're still fighting with little tiny nuances with this car. Gotcha. Well, uh, I know that Alex and Andy had chosen AO52s as their tire choice for the week. What did you guys decide to use? <laughs> Some people might criticize us a little bit for this, but we are on the Michelins that uh, we ran in 2019. What? <laughs> when, they worked for us then. Why wouldn't they work for us now? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've already changed too much. Just stick with what you know. Yeah, um, we uh, have the AO52 uh, sitting in a garage, and we really debated on it, but it looks like it's going to be wet for a portion of this event. So it's always a gamble. you got to roll the dice on one lap, and 
we decided last minute, let's run the, the Michelins because we think it's going to be wet. So it's not going to pay off in this dry stuff. You know, the AOs are going to really kick butt. I'm super pumped for Super K and Andy and Moss for how well they did on the wet skid. Yeah, I, we've, so we've, we've talked to a few people already, and that's something that continues to get brought up is how well they did in the wet on those tires. And I, I'm just out of curiosity, what do you think is the contributing factor with why they were able to do so well with the AOs? So it's it's weird, right? Because the, the tread pattern on that tire is not what you would expect for wet performance. I mean, maybe it's just the, 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 the softness of the compound that gives some grip back, even though it's not effective at pumping water. Um, but uh, when I talked with Alex a little bit about it yesterday, he, he talked about how much uh or like how well that that tire performed in the rain um versus how much better it is in the dry basically to say that he thinks the ao52 dry performance is so good that it negates any negative performance in the wet compared to what that car would do on a a more compromised rain tire like a forest yeah i think that's a fair very fair statement um the other thing that I kind of thought, well, maybe maybe the arrow that that car has, it's so lightweight, the arrow, even at the low speed of a, a skid pad, maybe the arrow is really helping keep that thing planted to a degree as well. Well, I, I, I think, too, I mean, we, we talked about Chris Mayfield's performance already and how extraordinary it was. Um, he is God, consistently good on the wet skid pad, and his car is um, Zebulon Arrow as well. Um, uh-huh. And I, I, I wonder if that is uh, not a coincidence. Yeah, shout out to Zebulon. That that BMW looks good. It is just hot in person. It is. It's kind of a, the talk of a lot of people. It, the little arrow bits add a tremendous amount. I, I'm really excited that they're running that car this year. So uh, tomorrow, based on the conversations that I've had, rain is expected. Who uh, will be driving tomorrow? Um, I've driven Memphis before. Um, Makai has not. So I'm going to be taking uh, Memphis. And if it is a wet track, uh, it's not going to be in a traditional three-lap format. We're going to probably abandon the drag race, which that will hurt us because we, we expect this car to do very well in the drag. Um and then it's going to be a like an SCCA A to B kind like of high speed autocross, you know, bypass the whole drag strip and just start at the uh, the end of the BHT. And uh, your time, and I don't know if he'll plan on running the group through it three separate times, or if you run it once and you're done. I believe we did it in Pueblo a couple of years back. Uh, when it was really rainy and it was kind of the same style of track where there's a drag strip on the front and we bypassed the sticky stuff and we did the point A to point B and I, I can't remember if we did more than one lap to gotcha. be honest. Well, uh, what is your arrival time to the hotel tonight? Uh, we have to stop for margaritas most importantly before I, we get to the I hotel. was imagining that you would. And, um, <laughs> We've got a planned stop with uh, all of the ASM cars 
and um, that is going to be at um, I, probably just an hour away from hotel. And I think they're planning it stopping somewhere around like the nine o'clock mark. Gotcha. Well, uh, so we'll get into the hold. We'll, we'll probably get into the hotel about eleven. That's not so bad. Um, well, I want to say that I wish you guys the best. And uh, if you are available, I'll probably give you guys a call throughout the week, uh, maybe every day if time allows, and just check in and see how things are going so that we can put out hopefully daily shows about one lap from our favorite driver's perspective. Well, we really appreciate you guys doing that and uh, getting the word out on one lap and making it uh, a little bit more spectator friendly. So thank you so much, you guys. Drive safe. Talk soon. Good luck, guys. Hey, thanks. Talk to you later. Hey, Andy, it's Abrin. How are you doing? I'm off to set. All right, Abe, hang on a minute. i got to figure out what's going on here. No problem. It's Abe. Hi, Abe. Hi, Ann. How are you? To... Are you there? Yes. Oh, okay. Never mind. It is working. <laughs> so we've, we've got the phone Bluetooth into the car, and, and I thought it was going to go through the car, and it wasn't. So I'm, like, talking at my screen. And... <laughs> And it's not working. So now I'm on the call. Oh, now I'm on the phone. So. Awesome. Anyway. Well, thank you for uh, taking a minute to join us on the Slip Angle Show. Uh, already, we've talked to Robert Thorne, Scott Robertson, Tom O'Gorman, and Brandon Ranvex. So you're the, you're the fifth one of the day. Um, awesome. Tell me about how things went this morning um, and, like, what your preparation up to this event was. Because I, I think the car was previously in the shop. Right, so the car was in the shop for four months waiting on parts, um, so I didn't get it back uh, until not long ago. Um, and one of the things I try to do is get out to as many of the tracks as I can. So I hit the road pretty quickly after that, and uh, luckily this year we're heading towards my neck of the woods for two of the tracks, Eagles Canyon and uh, NOLA. So those ones I had already been to, so it was no big deal. Um, but the biggie was getting out to Summit Point, which I had not been to in quite some time. Uh, it's a big boy track. It's really fast. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. wanted so, to get out there. Um, so I made a trip to go out there at Atlanta Motorsports Park, which is the exact opposite. It's super tight technical, a lot of blind turns, a lot of elevation. Um, and so having a clear picture of both of those was really, really important. So um, tell me about what was being done on the car before you picked it up. So uh, I had left it with the dealership because it had uh, developed a, uh, what was essentially a cosmetic issue um, throughout the summer um, where when you'd fire it up uh, after having sat, it would uh, puff smoke out of one tailpipe. Um, and they diagnosed it as valve seals, um, which is pretty common. Not, not common with McLarens, but a you know, common symptom you see with internal combustion engines and um, that kind of a thing. Anyway, the... The downside was that in the COVID situation, uh, getting the parts together, the, all the little bits to rebuild the cylinder head um, took two and a half months. Um, and then there was a series of uh, sort of clown shoe moves where they, they did all that work and put it back together and it still puffed smoke. So then oh, they no. decided, yeah, then they decided to send a complete cylinder head over. Um, 
because the cylinder heads are pretty complex. Um, and I was surprised they were going to let the, the local dealership uh, rebuild it anyway. So they sent a, a complete cylinder head over and it's, um, uh, well, the first one they sent turned out it was the one for the other side of the motor, even though it was in the correct box with the right part number on it. It, it was the wrong head. So then they had to send another one. So that took another couple of weeks because nothing comes from the UK, at least with the McLaren overnight. It's all 10 days through customs, blah, blah, blah. Right. So anyway, long story short, the, the second cylinder head that finally arrived, they put it on and, and bolted it on there and fired it up and it was all clean. So um, so that was good. But yeah, it, 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 it took four months uh, for all of that. And I had left it there thinking, oh, you know, it's in the winter. I give it to them December won't matter you know i don't really need it for another month or so and instead what happened was it took i missed all kinds of events like super lap battle oh right you know, when you guys were out there and all um you know well, just it, it was, i didn't it was mind seeing you drive the honda to be honest yeah well in, in that obviously it gave me a reason to do that uh, again uh, but still um you know it, it, it kind of put a uh, curtailed a lot of my normal um one lap prep um so that's why I kind of had to rush around and get to a couple of tracks and things like that. So we did all that and, and you know, got some good data. Um, so uh, you started this morning at the wet skit pad. First, right. uh, what tires did you choose to use? And then uh, second question is, how did your uh, average G compare to years yeah. prior? Yeah, yeah, so I'll answer the second one first. The uh, much lower, and pretty much everybody was. I mean, if you look at the results, pretty much everybody was lower. Um, those who ran the same tires, and all, you know, they did the last go around. Um, and pretty much you can attribute that to the temperatures. I mean, when we woke up this morning, it was 33 degrees out. All the cars were covered with frost. Um, you know, and the ground itself is a little warmer than that. Um, and so, uh, you know, they could certainly turn the sprinklers on without it all freezing. But still, um, you know, tire compounds uh, act differently when it's, you know, 10, 20 degrees colder uh, than they do otherwise. And so uh, I was on the Michelin Pilot Sport 4S, um, which, you know, we, we did testing on that for grassroots motorsports here, I guess it was three or four years ago, um, and compared them to the uh, Continental offering that was similar, the Extreme Contact Sport. And in those tests, uh, both dry and wet, the uh, the Michelin was a quicker tire. Um, you know, other the only thing that the Continental the Continental was very very close. The difference was Continental was better in deep standing water, um, gotcha. which the skid which the skid pad at, at, at um, uh, is not deep. Uh, although this year there was a puddle in one place that I had not seen before. Um, so, uh, I mean, they use that skid pad, that whole test track there. They, they test tires constantly there. So they repaved it, I think, like four years ago. And now uh, it's a lot more polished. Every every year we go out there, it's more polished than it was the previous year. So that may have been a contributing factor, too. I don't know. Um, so, but yeah, temperature, I think, was the, was the key there. Gotcha. So uh, then you made a quick drive to Grissom Air Force Base. And yep. you finished uh, pretty well in the eighth spot. Is that yeah. uh, about where you expected to come, or was uh, did were some cars faster than you anticipated? Um, that was about it. I you know I, I thought maybe six to eight. I mean the last go around I was sixth. Um, you know I have an autocross literally since those two years ago at Grissom. The last time we did there oh for uh, for one lap, I've done zero autocrossing. Um, so uh, you know r rusty for sure. 
um, you know, and all those little skills that, you know, for so many years were second nature, I'm having to remind myself to do things. Um, and by the last run, I actually had a really good one going, and then I kind of made a little boo-boo uh, towards the end there, and I, you know, through the slalom, and, and I just, I had to make a quick reaction in order to not hit a cone. Gotcha. Um, and I probably gave back, I was, I was about to pick up about a half a second, and I, gave it all back up right there. Um, yeah, it was still a couple tenths quicker on the very last run. So, so for um, anyone listening not familiar, uh, Andy is driving a 2018 uh, McLaren 720S, and uh, I, I think it's fair to say that that's a very competent um, road course car, but uh, how can you... Hold on, Adam's calling in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to okay. punch him in. So, um, you know, the McLaren's a very competent road course car, but how do you compare it as an autocross car? Uh, it's actually not a great autocross car. <laughs> you know, it's got a little bit turbo lag to it, but the, the bigger thing is it's just got a really long wheelbase, um, and it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's not super happy uh, when you try to make it drive around cones. Um, the other thing is it's, it doesn't really have any tunability to any large degree. Um, you know, it doesn't even have sway bars on it. I mean, the, the car is designed without sway bars. Um, so a lot of your normal tuning things you would do to tweak a, tweak a car, because I know at least with my CRX, I, my autocross setup was vastly different than my track setup. Um, you know, I would do a lot of things to the car to make it uh, drive around cones a lot quicker. Um, and none of that's available with the McLaren. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's an okay car for autocross, but it's not. Uh, and today's course, you know, in particular was very uh, sort of herky-jerky. I mean, it was, you know, point-and-shoot stuff, like accelerate hard, brake hard, turn, accelerate hard, brake hard, turn. I mean, there was not a lot of, like, you know, flowy, sweepy kind of things going gotcha. on. Um, and especially when you're running on the kind of tires we were on, uh, you know, if you were on stickier tires, it might have felt a little more like that. Um, but since most of the field is running on you know, something that's like 300 tread wear, uh, it, uh, it just, you know, it's kind of the way it felt uh, to me, at least. Uh, and some of that may just be being rusty, too. So, um, you know, who knows? So uh, a couple of years ago, one lap ran at uh, Memphis. What do you think uh, that you could take away from your last drive there uh, into tomorrow? Uh, well, actually, as it turns out, I was there last week. Oh, well, <laughs> that's I, more relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, uh, they, for whatever reason, the, the beginning of the season of Track Night in America every year for the region that, does, that uses Memphis um, is always the week leading up to one lap. And so, those years where we're, you know, it's a one lap track. Um, it's, it's literally on my drive up to, to, to South Bend. So I'll leave a day early, uh, stop in there. Um, so I ran, um, and, and normally in track night, you get three sessions. Um, as it turns out, I only took two sessions. Uh, you know, it, it's not a rocket science track, but I wanted to get my brake markers down and things, you know, fresh in my mind because I had not run the 720 there before. Last time I had the, uh, the GTR uh, during that year. Uh, so a different car. I wanted to kind of get some of that stuff down. By the time I did the second session, I ran three laps, all within two tenths, first three runs, um, and just parked it. I was like, okay, no point in beating on the car anymore. You know, I've got down what I need to get down. Um, it's a very good track for the car. Um, the car is, uh, 
you know, it's, it's a high-speed weapon in that track with the, with the uh, it's about 3,000-foot uh, long straightaway on the front that includes a drag strip at the beginning and then the rest of it, you know, it's all the runoff and then it makes a huge sweeper at the far end um, into a couple of little things. And there's a little tight twisty bit right in the middle. They call it the W's. Um, and then, or maybe it's the M's, I forget, whatever. Um, and then you kind of go through some stuff and another big 180 back onto the drag strip. So, um, you know, it's not a long lap. It's not much over a minute, honestly. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was turning times that were uh under 110s well, i'll just put it that way um you know without revealing all of it but uh, <laughs> i hope we i hope we get to run it dry gotcha. uh, i really yeah. do um but you know the, the times i was turning would, would have been very competitive with uh with what the leaders were turning um the last time we were down here uh, which i guess was in 2016 maybe gotcha um, so uh a couple more questions before i let you go uh, first yep. is um when you start the track session uh, do you tend to use a launch control function, or do you just kind of uh, roll into it with a typical start? Oh, no, a launch control, all gotcha. the way. And then, yeah, uh, yeah cool. Um, the next question is, if you look at the list of entries this year, um, Porsche, and specifically Porsche GT cars, are very, very popular um, yes. in the field. You're like the the lone McLaren runner. Why do you think <laughs> it is that, that people have gravitated to the Porsches? Well, a lot of that is just, you know, the, the track day world, um, that is a car. If you, if you don't, you know, if you want to run a reliable car that's designed from the factory to, to turn lap after lap, you know, quickly, um, Porsche GT cars is a great example of that. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, um, you know, they've been developing them for years, you know, to do that. Um, the latest generations are, are turnkey. They're very, very fast. They make really cool sounds. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I won't say they're affordable, but they're certainly accessible. You know, if you want to put the money into it, um, you know, you can find good examples out there. Gotcha. Uh, so, um, you know, it, and of course, they've got, you know, PCA is a big club and all kind of stuff. And so there's lots of folks that, that, that do that sort of thing. So what about the McLaren does it for you? Um, you know, once you drive one, you know, and once you drive one of the ones that has the dynamic suspension and my, my 12C was the first one I did with that. The 570 I had later on did not have the dynamic suspension um, and it was not as fast. And so it, it did not quite have the the um, uh, sort of universality where it could, you know, be a really, really soft road car, you know, for highway cruising as well as, you know, a track monster, you know, turned up. Um, you couldn't get quite that... Um, uh, sort of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, approach as you could with the 12C. And so now with the 720, I get the best of both worlds. You know, it's it's a more modern McLaren. It's built to a higher standard than the 12Cs were. You know, McLaren finally figured out how to build a road car. But the, the thing is, once you drive one of these things, the, the suspension is just magic. It, it, you know, on a, it is designed for high speed. I mean, there every single McLaren is a 200 mile an hour car. You know, it's one of the reasons. Yeah, it's one of the reasons they don't make a lot of downforce is because they they reduce drag and they put just enough downforce to combat the you know standard lift you would get at, at those kind of speeds. But um, you know that's that's McLaren's philosophy to sell cars because everybody knows what 200 miles an hour is, right? You know, it, it's hard to sell a car saying, oh, it makes 500 pounds of downforce. Nobody knows what that means. Sure. Saying it, saying it'll go 200 miles an hour, people know that. So that's what McLaren does. Um, you know that, and again at those kind of speeds, you know. Need to have a suspension that can absorb every little bump in the road, 
um, so the car is stable at those kinds of speeds as well. Um, and so uh, that's, you know, the first time I drove one, I was just, I was in love and, and I just can't get away from it. I mean, nothing, no other car, and I've driven lots of cool cars, no other car drives like this thing they just don't you know and there's there's things you can do to improve them i mean when they come from the factory they don't have nearly enough negative camber in them um and they don't have enough front wheel width on them um because again they're trying to make them you know safer for sure. you know, your average joe so they make them push for the factory but you do just a couple little things a little bit bigger wheels um and some camber and alignment and the thing you know brake pads that's all that's all i've done to this thing um, and it's it's crazy fast. Um, so you know. I guess my question is, uh, McLaren has a knack for one-upping itself on a regular basis. Yeah. Do you feel yep. any temptation to the 765? Oh, totally. Uh, the problem right now is they didn't make a lot of them. They're not making any more of them. Um, they've moved on, and they're stupidly expensive at the moment. Um, and all of those... LT versions, the long tails, which are their track, you know, track focused versions, um, were made in limited quantities, so they have retained their value very well. 720s, um, the value has gone down quite a bit. You can get one at a much better price than you know what they sold for when they were new. Um, so I don't know that I would do it per se uh, unless a deal fell into my lap. Oh sure. Um, just because it's a huge outlay. But yeah, sure, I'm absolutely tempted. And you know, and there's certainly parts off that car that I could, that would fit right on this car if I wanted to. But yeah, I've um, seen videos on the internet. Uh, apparently, that LT is decently quick on the drag strip as well. Well, and so th so they did three basic things to the car. They put a tune on it, um, which added a little bit of power. Um, they did a little more arrow to it, so it's got a bigger. Uh, wing in the back, um, which makes like 25% more downforce, but it didn't make that much to start with, so not a huge deal. Um, but the big thing they did was they put in a 15% um, shorter final drive. Okay. And so what happens is the gearing is now perfect for a drag strip. I mean, perfect. So they dropped almost a full second on the drag strip, even on the stock tires. Um, you know, the, the, the cars are just stupid on the drag strip. So it, it matches exactly what it needed to be for the drag strip. It's also faster on the track for exactly the same reason. Right. Um, you know, they lost some top speed. I think it's, I want to say it's like eight miles an hour slower at the top end um, than the uh, 720 is right. um, because of the shorter gearing. Um, you know, it, it basically runs out. You know, But it kind of seems um, like on almost any of the tracks that are available in the United States, there are, there are very few cars that are reaching above, like, 180. Very, very few right. cars are going faster than that. Um, right. And so, like, gearing to 200-plus is really just about saying that your car can go 200. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt about it. Um, so, now, of course, Anne's over here shaking her head as I'm, as you, you know, like, talking about getting another McLaren. She's pointing at the check engine light that's on right now. <laughs> So you probably haven't been watching social media, but I posted a little a little thing not too long ago. Uh, yeah, the check engine light came on um, here after about five hours of transit driving. Well, um, uh, if it's anything like your 2016 year, you'll just be clearing clothes while you're on the track. I, well, the car is running fine, and I've actually seen this before. I you know I, I, I plugged in the OBD. So my my McLaren repair kit, by the way, is an OBD2 dongle and a and a scan tool on my phone. Um, that's that that's about it that you know tire repair you know plug kit that's about all i can really work on on, on the car so but I, I scan the code and all it's it's a code i've seen before it's a it's a lean condition that it's whining about just off idle 
um, which I'm not even sure how often you're there. Um, but I had seen it before when I went up to Eagles Canyon from Austin um, shortly after getting the car back from the dealer. Uh, and it's about a five hour drive and it showed up towards the end of that drive. Um, and it only happens on the highway, does not happen at all on the track. Um, does not seem to affect the drivability of the vehicle. Um, yeah. So in the last go round, it went away, you know, the next time I took it out. So um, I'm hoping tomorrow it will go away. Uh, my guess is what will happen is it will potentially go away when I'm on track and then it will come back as soon as we drive five hours. Right. Uh, that seems to be kind of the, the pattern. Uh, so we'll see. Um, it, it does mean that it's probably due for another uh, another trip back to the uh, hospital. I bet uh, the McLaren dealers work. absolutely love your business. Well, they, they, they do. I mean, <laughs> I could tell you some stories, but uh, yeah, the, my my old 12C, you know, had an extender warranty on it because um, it was out of the new car. The 720 is still in the new car warranty, but my old one. Um, I, let's just say it had quite a bit of work done, and and the dealership had several times. Um, thanked me for making their month for them, um, <laughs> and uh, you know I'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, there's there's uh, they, they they worked on quite a bit on that car. Hopefully this one is, is does not end up being like that. And so far it hasn't been. Um, you know some of the, the issues this past year have just been parts related, you know, due to COVID and, and all, and their suppliers and things. UK has been especially hard hit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's, it's 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 somewhat understandable, but still. Well, it's uh, it's eight twenty here on the East Coast. Okay. I imagine that you are an hour, hour and a half away from your hotel, probably. Yep, that's um, about right. Yeah, yeah, we'll hit it. At 9.30 uh, Central. I wish you guys the very best of luck this week. And okay. uh, if you are so inclined, I may give you calls throughout the week just to check on how you're doing. Yeah, it sounds great. We're going to uh, Angle is going to try and do daily releases, checking up with, with people and just kind of getting the, sure. the various stories. So uh, good luck tomorrow. Great. All right. Thanks, sir. Talk Take to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits of Grid Live to say hello. Hello.